0: Recorded at The Running Age Studio, you're listening to Venture Tabernacle. It's like venture capital, except that the investment is made in your soul. This is where America hangs out to talk about anything and everything from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Ty Hervey. Join me as we learn to view the world through the objective lens of the Bible. That's right, folks. That's exactly what we're doing here as we go through week three of the Sunday Sermon Series, trying to teach you how to view the world through the objective lens of the Bible by going through the gospel according to Mark, verse by verse, and story by story. Today, we are talking about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Last week, we saw the baptism of Jesus and the importance of that, and how it established the authority and power of Jesus. But today, we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. And there's only two short verses dedicated to this in Mark. But as you will see, it is a very important moment in the life of Jesus. As always, Scripture interprets Scripture. So where we have little information on this story in Mark's gospel, we can look in other places to see more detailed accounts and supporting evidence. And what we're going to see today is that we have a God who understands exactly what you are going through. And we're also going to see some practical ways to handle Satan when he comes knocking in your life. And so our main scripture reference today will be Mark chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. Again, we're reading from the ESV translation. Unless I say otherwise, that's exactly what we're going to do. We'll start out in verse 12. It says, The Spirit immediately drove him out, into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Short story, right? Two quick and easy verses. Mark's gospel is often known as the newspaper version of the gospel because he is direct and to the point. There's a theme throughout the scriptures in Mark's gospel of immediately the actions that Jesus took. And this happens right after Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down from heaven to rest upon him. And we see the Holy Spirit pushes Jesus or he compels him to go out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And this happens for 40 straight days. Now, what we don't see here is what all happened during those 40 days. Now, to see that, we can turn over to the parallel account of this story in Luke chapter 4, verse 2, to see a more detailed accounting of what happened. So Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 2, says, For forty days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. until an opportune time. And so we see first that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness and he did not eat anything during the entire time. And this was for a specific reason. He was fasting. And the biblical practice of fasting is where you give something up for a time and replace it with time and prayer and scripture. Now the typical fast looks like you giving up food for a couple of days. That's what a biblical fast is. But today we can do it with anything from social media to food to video games or TV. What matters is you're giving something up in an effort to become closer to the Lord and replacing that time that you would usually spend on that on seeking the Lord and his face. But the fast that we see Jesus do in this account is an extreme fast. It says he went 40 days without food. Now, as a disclaimer, I don't recommend that anyone fast this intensely unless the Lord directly leads you to it, and you are under careful supervision. and Fasting is an awesome spiritual discipline that will help you get closer to God, but you also have to consider your physical health. In other words, you're not Jesus, so don't try this at home. But as the story goes on, the 40 days without food wasn't enough temptation, so Satan comes rolling into the scene while Jesus is at his weakest. And he starts trying to poke holes in the righteousness of Jesus. And allow me to take a sidebar here. Temptation and sin are two different things. In this account, Jesus was tempted, but Jesus did not sin. See, temptation is a normal part of life. It is something that we will never get away from until we experience glory. And that is because we are fallen sinful people at the core of our very being. But what you do with that temptation is what makes the difference of whether or not it turns into sin. For example, I can be tempted to rob a bank, but if I recognize that this is wrong and that my thoughts and actions need to be corrected, I have not sinned. But on the other hand, if I decide to go through with it and I do rob that bank, then I have stepped into sin. And so the temptation we see here for Jesus happens because he was both fully man and fully God at the same time. And this is important because all the temptation that you will go through in your life, Jesus understands what it is like because he has been in your shoes. And what we see here is there's three main types of temptation that Satan throws at Jesus, hoping that he can cause him to sin. The first thing he does is he appeals to Jesus' flesh in verse 3. You see, Jesus is hungry, and Satan knows that, so he attacks his body. See, Jesus has the power to turn anything into food the entire time that he was fasting, but he didn't because this event was important to Jesus being able to sympathize, to understand our trials and temptations from a direct perspective. And when Jesus answers satan's first temptation he says it is written man shall not live by bread alone and then we see satan try to tempt jesus with things in verse five through seven opportunity he takes jesus up to the high point and shows him all the world and he offers it to him now the question that should rise in your mind as you read this is does satan actually have the authority to give what he's offering to jesus and the answer is yes, absolutely. Now stick with me for a second, because this might be news to you. But First John 5.19 says, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The evil one is Satan. And so you see, until Jesus comes back a second time to take his throne here on earth, the world is Satan's territory. And so Jesus will rule over all that Satan showed him when he returns, but Satan is offering him the position to rule without the suffering of the cross. And this is a pretty big temptation here, because in a sense, he's saying you can skip the line and have your reward early if you go with me. But Jesus knows better, and he knows that the plans of God are the best plans, and he chooses to wait and trust God. And he replies, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so Satan realizes that strategy two is not going to work. So he tries one last tactic. He tries to hit Jesus in his pride. He says in verse nine, he says, if, if you are the son of God, he's essentially telling Jesus that he doesn't believe that he is who he says he is. He's saying, prove it to me. And again, Jesus replies, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And we see Jesus demonstrate a principle for us on how to deal with temptation and the distractions of Satan. It is written. He quoted scripture to fight back against Satan. You see, the God of the universe quoted scripture when faced with temptation. And this serves as an example for us to follow. And that's why it's so important that we hide God's word in our heart so that when temptation comes, we have an answer. And that answer is, it is written. The word of God has more power than you and I will ever know on this side of glory. And it isn't just words on a page. It is the very word and power of God. And we do well to know it so that we will be prepared when temptation comes. And so there is a practical lesson here in how Jesus dealt with temptation. But that is not the number one reason this passage was included in Mark's gospel. This passage was put there to show us that Jesus understands exactly what you are going through. And I can tell you that with authority because Hebrews four. that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus has been through the same kind of struggles as you and I, and he still did not sin. That means we can bring anything and everything to the throne boldly because he is the great link between us and God. And we can draw near to him with confidence that he will have mercy no matter what we have done or what we do. Jesus is there and he is ready and willing to forgive our sins if we will just believe. He went through all the junk that he went through on this earth so that you and I would have a chance to have a relationship with God and spend eternity in heaven. And Mark wrote it in these two short verses. He said the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. How much is packed into those two verses when we just look and open up the Word of God? And that is why this podcast exists. I want to open your eyes, even if it's just a little bit, to the glory of who God is through Scripture. And if you can ever get to a point in your life where you view every part of this world, every part of your existence through the objective lens of the Bible, I can promise you everything will change. We saw in this short account from Mark that Jesus cares for you deeply and that He is the perfect Savior. And this marks the end of Episode 3 of the Sunday Sermon. We appreciate you so much for listening. We would invite you to share this on social media. We are getting ready to crank up a big campaign to get this thing out to the world. So if you can help us spread that word, we are on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things. So find us, follow us, share them out to your friends, and we will hopefully see you back again next week.